It's time for View from Military Mind Daily View for Monday, May 18, 2020. Views and opinions about world and national events from the minds of the men and women that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 244 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and definitely not PC. If you're ready, let's move out. Today's show and the next two are going to be special. Recently, I was sent a list of questions by a listener and was asked to research and expound on them or debunk them. There are a total of 29 questions that you can find on our Facebook page and website, youfromilitarymind.com, after today's show. On today's show and the next two shows, we will tackle eight of those questions a day. We'll try to answer them and label them as fact or fiction. Some may be a little more than a conspiracy theory a falsehood based on limited or twisted facts. And we'll take a look at those first eight right after we get back. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can go to our webpage, youthofmilitarymind.com, or on our Facebook page or Twitter, or you can write us at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. Send us your comments, your ideas, or things you would like for us to answer or research. So... Go ahead and send those emails to us. Go on our webpage, go on our Facebook page, and we'll be right back and we'll get started on these questions. As many of you may know, I'm a frequent guest on Moving It Right. It's an internet TV show on Facebook Live. You can watch Moving It Right on their Facebook page, Moving It Right. Search them and be sure to follow their page and join their group on Facebook. Again, that's Moving It Right. Every weekday at 11, they're big Trump supporters and conservative commentary. Excellent content, narratives, and they stick to the facts the best they can. And they are growing rapidly. Very interactive with their audience through comments and posts, you won't be disappointed. That's Moving It Right every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'll look forward to seeing you on Moving It Right. Podnews.net is a short newsletter every weekday with everything you need to know about podcasting and on demand. You can subscribe free at podnews.net for new podcast launches, company changes, stats, and no waffle. In fact, podnews.net is so waffle-free it's really short, just like this promo. All right, welcome back. We'll get into these questions. Like I said, there's going to be eight questions on these. Uh, this one, the next two shows. This is, like I said, this is a special shows. Um, try to answer some of these questions. Now, some of them, now that we're starting to reopen the country, some of these are going to be almost uh, uh, no longer a big concern, um, but we're still going to try to answer them because those are questions we had during the, the height of the pandemic. We still have some of this going on uh, in places like California, New York, New Jersey. They're still uh, leaning on the extreme side of uh, the uh, safer home or shelter in place kind of issues and still pushing hard with the uh, essential and non-essential businesses. So the first question we've got, uh, let me back up before we get into that. 
Uh, I'd like to thank the young lady out of Valpo uh, I've known for a while that sent these questions to me. So uh, if she's listening out there, I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll go ahead and get started. Now, the first question we got is, why can we go to Walmart and not to Kohl's? And question number two was, why the dollar store and not a, mo- not a mom and pop store? Now, let me look at the, uh, talk about uh, the dollar store and the mom and pop store first off. This makes no sense. It really doesn't make sense to me. I, I've tried to look and why and find out why. Uh, spent days researching this as to why we couldn't have the mom and pop who have the same thing as your dollar dollar stores or your uh, dollar general or whatever you want uh, the, these newer stores that are popping up in the past uh, five or six years. There is no logical explanation. Now, that being said, there are several places I've been to personally, my hometown here. A lot of our mom and pop stores are open if they meet the essential business criteria. So now let's look at what is considered essential and what's considered non-essential. Going back to question one, why can we go to Walmart but not to Kohl's? Okay, we can try to answer that ourselves by uh, just by looking at what the stores have in them. Um, Kohl's is primarily clothing and stuff of that nature. You don't find groceries, you don't find pharmaceuticals or repair parts or things like that. Now, I know some of you fashionistas out there or uh, glam girls think that all this clothing and stuff is essential to you. It's not. When they're talking about essential, um, they're talking about things you need to survive or to live for a indefinite period of time. Fam- fa- famous designers and fashion clothes and things like that, and jewelry, all that. You don't need that. that that's not essential. Okay. Unless you happen to be designing that stuff, and then, you know, it's still a question as to whether essentiality is in there. Uh, now, that, that's just basic in a nutshell, why we can get Walmart, not Kohl's. Uh, Walmart has your pharmacies. It has your um, uh, fresh fruits and vegetable stands. It has your, your, your dairy. and it, it has all your grocery stuff. It has your repair parts for your home. Yes, it does have clothing. Now, in that same vein, some states are saying, great, you can go to Walmart, but don't let me catch you in the clothing section or over in the summer pool items or uh, electronics, things like that. Okay, so we got to be careful how much we push on that because we got some out there that will really take things away from you as much as they can. Uh, the basic definition that I've found um, that deems, you know, essential versus non-essential. It says essential is entities providing critical infrastructure such as medical centers, food retailers, and such have generally remained open. But businesses providing services or products that are considered to be recreational or less critical have mostly been ordered to close or operate remotely. Okay, and there's been some disputes. We know about that, the closure of certain categories such as gun retailers. Okay. Now, more than 30 states have issued guidance mandating that only certain businesses remain open during the outbreak. Uh, There are some clear areas of agreement as to which business or activities are deemed essential. Grocery stores, healthcare providers, banks, hardware stores, utilities, transportation providers, gas stations. That's pretty universal. Uh, Walmart falls into that, that, uh, that realm because they provide 
groceries and repairs and things of that nature. Um, and they also allow businesses that ser support or serve to support essential businesses or workers to remain open. Um, a good example that they put here is uh, the city of San Francisco. They've ordered that daycares may remain open, but only for the purpose of supporting the ability of a, a parent or parents who work in essential industries so that they can report for work or for duty. Uh, they said that uh, businesses that remain open also tend to be subject to mandates that they implement social distancing, sanitation, and other public health protocols, whether it be federal, state, or local protocols. Now, non-essential businesses. Pretty much uh, similar agreement across the states that uh, these are considered non-essential. Normally, most of these are geared towards recreation and entertainment. Uh, they're usually places like gyms and shopping malls, theaters, and sporting or concert concert venues. Uh, a lot of places, dine-in restaurants are allowed to remain open, but only for takeout or delivery. You know, some non-essentials uh, will have the ability to conduct their operations remotely, and they're allowed to do so. And they take steps to ensure that their employees are equipped to work from home. So that's basically, in a nutshell, we can get into the uh, the disputed categories and you know what New Jersey and Pennsylvania and California and all these um, these states that have you know issues going on where they tried to shut down you know gun stores. Uh, of course, they found out it's a violation of the constitutional right to bear arms. Um, you know, and a lot of legal disputes have arisen over that. So we're not going to get into it. We're going to let the the legal beagles and the courts work all that stuff out and see how that goes. Um, and of course, you know, hey, these places are, are taking the enforcement of shelter in place and uh, related public health orders very seriously. And they're, they're penalizing non-essential businesses, even now you know, that we're trying to reopen. Um, one state, you know, failure to close a business in accordance with emergency orders is a gross misdemeanor. Carries a $5,000 fine and almost a year in jail. Similar violation in Arizona is a class one misdemeanor. Lead to six months in jail and business fines of up to $20,000. Now, whether you agree with what's going on there or not, that's just, it's the nature of the beast, and that's what's going on. And we'll get into discussions about this here in just a little bit. Okay. In fact, my next question is, um, why don't know, people know that these are recommendations and not laws? Laws go through due process. Okay, that has, there's some uh, legal ramifications in there on that. Uh, you're right, they're not laws. They're orders. They're considered an executive order. And that can come from your mayor, it can come from your governor, it can come from your president. It does not have to always come from the president. These can come from any elected official. Now, I'll read you the, the legal, legal definition that is, is out for there, and this is across the board. An executive order is an order issued by the President of the United States, the head of the executive branch of federal government, or state executives or local executives. This term also refers to an order issued by a governor of a state. Okay, an executive order can also be called a decree or orders in council. An executive or order issued by the president or the chief executive officer of a state has the force of law and it is promulgated in accordance with applicable law um, 
that'll be 42 United States uh, Civil Section, uh, 146.16, if you want to look that up. Uh, the objective of executive orders issued by the president or the, the chief executive officer of a state is to help officers and agencies of the executive branch to manage the operations within the federal government or the state government. All right, an example of a state statute using Idaho defining executive order. Now, according to the Idaho Code, code excuse me, executive order means the executive order or other administrative action of the governor pursuant to the section of Idaho Code and any amendments thereto. Okay, so these have the force of law when it's an executive order or a directive or uh, orders in council or a decree. All right, so they do have the force of law, but they're only temporary. All right. Executive order may be a directive from a governor to state agencies communicating to those agencies the governor wants the agency to accomplish. Now, when it's to an agency, it does not have the force and effect of law. You know, and an executive order issued by the governor may require that certain actions be taken. So when they give it to a, an agency, they're just telling them what they want to have accomplished. Right? Now, when they put out an order to the state or to the general population, it does have the effect of law. So there's very simple explanation. And as I tell everybody on my show, don't totally rely on what I give you. Go out there and educate yourself. Don't be, don't be ignorant. And that's not being derogatory. Uh, ignorance means lack of knowledge. Don't have a lack of knowledge. Go out there and educate yourself. Learn what these things are. Learn what they mean. My God, you got Google. Use common sense when reading it. We still have libraries that have those books that can't be changed. Well, they can be changed, but they're there. And you can read them. You put your hands on them. You can read in black and white. So, the question we are just talking about. You know, people, these are not just recommendations. These hold the force and effect of law. So, they're only temporary. They don't stay there forever. Uh, if you've watched, a lot of executive orders that the President of the United States puts in place can be, <clears throat> can be terminated or have a limitation on them. They usually expire when he leaves office, or his predecessor will take them away or write an order rescinding those executive orders. So uh, there's a lot to it. I, I can get really in-depth in it, but again, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm just like any layman out there. I have to go find this information myself. I do use the best um, assets available to me. You know, I, I'll call a lawyer, I'll call a constitutional lawyer, I'll call, you know, I've even gone as far as call Cornell, <clears throat> and they're a real good resource. Um, be careful getting into bias when you start looking at some of these laws. People are going to tell you what their opinion is. I don't want your opinion. I want what's in black and white. Okay, moving on to question number four. Now, this one we just saw on TV, um, a lot of issues about it. It says, why is it okay for government officials to get a haircut, but not regular citizens? Very good question. Okay. It, 
getting a haircut during the pandemic. Okay. We know that it's considered a non-essential business. Um, so getting that haircut during a pandemic actually crosses two lines here. One of them is uh, the first one that is obvious, uh, which, uh, the fine mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot did. She crossed the line of vanity because she said, I'm in the public eye. I'm out in the public eye. I got to look good. So that's crossing the line of vanity. <clears throat> she violated her own rules. She violated what was being said by the federal government and the state government. So because of her vanity and her own self-importance, and this goes across the line, it goes across all political lines and um, male and female or genders, some people are going to do it. Okay. And they have the influence to be able to get it done. Uh, the other thing, the other line that it crosses is the line of defiance and doing it in support. Now, we saw that happen in Texas with the, um, uh, with Senator Ted Cruz getting a haircut at the Dallas salon to support the owner of that salon who defied orders to stay closed. Okay. She needed to get back to work, her and her hairstylist, to get back to work to earn money to take care of their kids. So Senator Ted Cruz, and I, I give him kudos for doing this, went down there, and he looked pretty rough going in, uh, if anybody saw the video, uh, and went and got a haircut in support of what she was doing, it, or of what she was doing, the defiance of the court order. Now, it, as we've gone along, we found this uh, a judge has pretty much um, been censured for what he did. Um, it was absolutely asinine. The governor finally, the governor of Texas, finally put in place. You know, you can't punish these people for defying these orders. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, you're hurting these people. So to answer your question, why is it okay for government officials to get a haircut, but not regular citizens? All right. In the case of our first uh, fact that I put out to you with the Chicago mayor, it's wrong. It should not have happened because of her vanity. Everybody else around there was not getting haircuts, but she thought she was special and should have gotten one. So that was wrong. But on the next hand, on the other hand, uh, with the incident with Senator Cruz and um, the Dallas Salon, that was an act of defiance, and he showed an act of support for that defiance. <clears throat> Not saying any of them were justified. In the case of uh, Cruz, yes, that was justified. And that kind of thing I encourage. You know, go out there and support your businesses out there. If you don't agree with it, that's why we have the kind of country we have. We can be defiant, protest it, and support those who stand against these crazy rules. Um, it's kind of hard to answer this question clearly. It's not good. It's not right. It really is not right, plain and simple, for government officials to go out there and do as they damn well please while we're restricted, whether it be a haircut, whether it be traveling to the beach, or going to parks that are supposed to be closed. De Blasio, you're bad about that. Como, <clears throat> that's in New York. You know, to take special privileges just because you're a politician, uh, to me, that, that tells me that uh, 
you don't need to be in that office anymore. So anyway, and that's a whole other subject we can get off into, and I'd like to do that on a uh, on another show with some guests so they can give me their viewpoints on that. All righty. Going on to the next question, what makes one person essential and another not? All right, that goes back to your essential and non-essential businesses. If you work in an essential business, you're going to be essential personnel. Okay. If you're working in a non-essential business, you can be non-essential, but still be able to work. Now, we, we discussed all that, whether some of the non-essential businesses could op operate remotely or like restaurants where there was no dine-in, but they could do carry-out. So their employees are, will be essential to make that business function. Okay, here's where we're going to get down in the dirt with this. Then that becomes, at a non-essential business, that will become the decision of the managers and the owners of those businesses to determine which of their employees are essential and non-essential. So, the basic explanation or answer to this question, essential personnel are those who are required to operate and keep functioning an essential business or operation, i.e. grocery stores, emergency services, law enforcement, things of that nature. Uh, those that were listed in our earlier part of this segment that operate and make go essential businesses. Non-essential will be those people who work for non-essential businesses or have no support role to essential businesses. All right. So if Again, everything I do here, uh, I'm going to tell you, educate yourself, go out there and look, ask people what their opinion is read up on it but your essential personnel and non-essential personnel are going to follow the same guidelines as essential and non-essential businesses all right now number six was really interesting and it got really convoluted on me because i got to into things that it leaned into whether it was a progressive viewpoint or a conservative viewpoint or um a constitutional authority or a constitutional uh, viewpoint. And I finally had to dig out what was actually meant when the country was founded. Now, here's the question. How do people not know that we are a republic and not a democracy? Okay, this is where we're going to get in and call it either fact or fiction. Okay, this is partially factual. Okay, we are a republic. But we are a constitutional republic. Okay, we're not a democracy. Uh, we're not a. Uh, what was one word that I saw on here? Hold on, and I'll tell you in just a minute. Um, one of the uh, progressive uh, learning institutions called this a a uh, representative democracy. No, we're not. We're not a representative democracy. We are a constitutional republic. Uh, we have some aspects of a democratic uh, country in place, but primarily we're a republic. We are a constitutional republic. Now, let me give you the definition of it. A constitutional republic is a form of government in which a representative is elected by the people to govern over them, according to the rules established in the law of the land. 
An example of a constitutional republic is the United States form of government. U.S. citizens elect a, ple- a president and other representatives who then govern them as the Constitution directs them to. Okay, so very basic explanation of a constitutional republic, which is what we are. All right, Somebody, someone will say, oh, we've got electoral college. We don't elect them directly. Keep in mind, when you go to vote, the presidential election, and it's the only election that's that way, okay? Please always remember that. Presidential election is the only one that utilizes the electoral college. Everything else in this country is direct vote, period. All right? But the electoral college is decided by the votes of the people to their electoral representatives. So, and it is, uh, it's really strange. That we'll get into a discussion on another show about the Electoral College and how it works and whether we need to do that or not. Um, but it was put there for a reason. They, they are still elected by the people through, quote, a representative. All right. So, like I said, very simple. In a nutshell, this is what we are. So that question was partially factual. It wasn't false. We are a republic, but we're a constitutional republic. All right. Now, the U.S. government, a constitutional republic, consists of three branches, executive, judicial, and legislative, which divide the power of the government so that no one branch becomes too powerful. Okay. Now, our, you know, like I said, our country is considered a constitutional republic, but we're considered that if it has a constitution that limits the government's power. And the citizens choose, choose their own heads of state and other government officials. And we do. We have a constitution that limits the government's power, although at times it may not seem to. And we freely choose our own heads of state and other government officials. Now, of course, while this is how a constitutional republic is supposed to work, in practice, it's not always run this way. Um, there's some some republics are governed by constitutions that can be ignored by the heads of state. Now, fortunately, for the most part, ours is not ignored. We have a few out there that try to ignore it, and they're quickly jerked up. All right. The types of officials that Americans can directly elect include council members, state representatives, governors, and senators. Uh, Certain officials like mayors may or may not be directly elected. Um, I have yet to hear where a mayor is um, done by an electoral college. Uh, I have not heard of that at all, nor have I heard of a mayor being appointed unless it's in a uh, situation where one is expired, you know, his term is expired or he's personally expired, something like that. But most mayors are, are elected. Um. Now it says here, you know, the president is indirectly elected by the Electoral College. Uh, the president can then choose certain officials, such as Supreme Court justice. However, the legislative branch must concern, confirm whomsoever he nominates to that position. So there's still checks and balances and controls in there from the people we elected. So now the difference between the two. Um, some think that we're a democracy. We're not. 
And like I said, we're we're a perfect we're actually a perfect example of a constitutional republic. Um, a pure democracy would be a form of government in which the leaders, while elected by the people, are not constrained by a constitution as to its actions. Okay. In a republic, however, elected officials cannot take away or violate certain rights of the people. So that's the big difference. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. Okay. We have some hints of democracy in there, and we love our freedoms. But we are a constitutional republic. Um, so it, it would be hard. And again, you know, you can educate yourself more in depth. Start getting into constitutional law. You can start getting into democratic and republican or democratic and republic law. Um, it's it, it's so hard to, to get into this, but the. I had to break it down Barney style so we would understand, but we are a constitutional republic. Um, don't know how to answer it any clearer than that. We can get into in depth. If you'd like that, we can do that. We can have a whole show on being a constitutional republic. You can write me at VFAMM2020 at gmail.com or go on the Facebook page, Review from Military Mind. And let me know if that's what you'd like for me to do. Do a whole show on uh, being a federal republic or a democracy and explain those out. Please do. And for those of you who really like to get into these debates and these discussions, they must be. Uh, we're not going to stand there and fight. We'll, we'll debate and discuss. I mean, we can agree to disagree. But I would love to have someone come on with me on the show. I'll get you all set up. And you can go to my Facebook page, View from Military Mind, or viewfrommilitarymind.com on a webpage. Or, again, write me at vfamm2020 at gmail.com and send me your questions. Let me know if you want to go in more in-depth on uh, uh, constitutional republic versus democracy or uh, uh, a democratic republic. We'll go in-depth on that. Anyway, moving on to the next question. Um, this one was interesting. I had to do some digging and had to go digging out. And it was a very simple, very simple answer. Uh, not a whole lot to it. All right. Number seven. Why did Obama give the Wuhan lab $334 million during his administration? Okay. <clears throat> President Obama did not directly give the Wuhan lab $334 million. Right. How that came about, them getting that money, we make contributions to the World Health Organization which recently President Trump just stopped all, uh, all of our monies going to the WHO or the World Health Organization. Now, during President Obama's term, he made those um, payments to the WHO that we have been doing for years. Out of that subsistence money, or whatever you want to call it, $334 million went to the Wuhan lab, lab because they applied for it through the World Health Organization. Now, do I agree with that happening? I couldn't tell you one way or the other right now. Uh, based on what we currently see, no, I don't agree with it now. Back then, we didn't know what was going on. We couldn't give a, uh, a good, solid judgment based on the information we had at the time. So I'm not going to bash him for that. That's something that happened. He had no direct control over that happening. That came out of money that we have already been for 
several administrations giving, been giving to the World Health Organization. Unfortunately, $334 million of that went to the Wuhan lab. lab. Well, so, can we blame that administration for it? No, we cannot. Can we blame the World Health Organization? I think we can because they probably knew what was going on, especially with the current evidence we have, uh, which is not necessarily circumstantial. We have some pretty solid evidence. Um, we can blame them for that being done. Will we get it back? No, we're never going to get it back. So there's no sense raising hell over it now. We just stop it from going there again. All right. And, and our last question in this. <laughs> Why can 500 people shop at Menards or Home Depot, but we're not allowed to go into our church buildings? You know what? That's a damn good question. I have not figured it out. Um, now, as far as 500 people going into Menards or Home Depot, um, most of those buildings aren't going to hold that number of people. Most of these companies have, have implemented or have been asked to implement restrictions on the number of people come into the building, and they still have to practice social distancing and all that stuff that goes with the uh, pandemic going on. Now, as far as going into church, that's a hot potato item that is hard to handle. I don't agree with the way the governments have done it, shutting the churches down. To me, that's violating our rights for freedom of religion. Um, the only way I can answer this question is that you have government entities or individual politicians or government personnel that are overstepping those powers that were granted to us, the granted to them by us, the people and citizens in the United States. Okay, remember me telling you about the us being a constitutional republic? These people have violated that in my viewpoint. Now, I've gone into my viewpoint on this. It's not a pure answer for you. Um, so to answer why can all these people go into shop at Menards and not at Home Depot, but they can't go to church? I, I haven't been able to find an answer for that. <clears throat> and that's an answer with based on evidence, based on fact. Okay? To me, there is no evidence that supports keeping people out of a church other than you're trying to uh, strong-arm people into your beliefs and your thoughts. Now, that being said, can we put requirements in there to go to church? Yes, we can, just like any place else we did. We can ask the churches, hey, please, let's reduce the number of people coming into your service, give them social distancing, and, oh, do me a favor, since you're going to reduce those people in that service, why don't you go ahead and set up a second service? Or even a third service. That way your parishioners can worship, get to the building, interact with folks, and they're not being restricted or denied their religious rights. They're not denied the freedom of religion. Has it been modified slightly? Yes. But you're not being denied. Unfortunately, I don't think our politicians or our governances realize what they did. And it might be they don't care. That'll be up to y'all to find out in your local jurisdictions to what was going on. So, But with that aspect, like I said, it's very hard to pin down a 
piece of factual evidence that supports denying people the right to go to church while we can still go into Home Depot and Lowe's and uh, Menards or whatever, uh, Walmart, or whatever big box store that we want to go into. So I'm uh, sorry I couldn't answer that one, uh, but that's the way it, uh, it's just the way it falls. And, that's, and I had to put my opinion in on top of it. So, well, bear with me. That's our eight questions for today. Uh, and the next two days, we'll have uh, eight questions on each one of those days. And we'll try to get those questions answered. And after the show's up today, I'll get those posted on our website, viewfrommilitarymind.com, and on our uh, View from Military Mind Facebook page. Um, I'm not going to put them on Twitter, but I will get them on the Facebook page and the uh, website. And if you'd like me to, uh, send me an email at vfamm2020 at gmail.com, and I'll send you a personal copy of those uh uh, of those questions with my notes and everything in there. <coughs> so I look forward to uh, talking to you some more. Right after the break, we'll get into my uh, thoughts and views from my military mind for today. So hang tight with me, and we'll be right back. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Three tours driving Humvees in Afghanistan. Twelve years flying choppers. When my sister came back from her last tour in Afghanistan, she didn't want to talk about it, but she knew I was there to listen. Sometimes my husband still has difficult memories. They can be overwhelming. With the Veterans Crisis Line, I know where to turn when we need support. I made the call and got support for my sister. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans and their loved ones. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. All right, welcome back. This is my little segment where I'm going to give you my thoughts and views from my military mind. Um, going over these questions that we're going to be looking at for today and the next two days has really made me start thinking about what's going on around our country and how individual people in our country are reacting. And sometimes it absolutely baffles me at the level of ignorance. And again, I'll explain. The word ignorant means to be uneducated, to not have the knowledge. Doesn't mean you're stupid. Uh, doesn't mean you're a dumbass, although some of them do do that. It just means you don't have the knowledge required for the subject or event that's occurring. And you'll always hear me through my show. Educate yourself. Don't just go by what I tell you or what somebody else tells you. Uh, especially if you're following something that's really outside the rules. Um, don't be that lemming following them off the hill. Uh, because the only thing you do is succeed in failing uh, with those individuals leading you the wrong way. Make yourself educated. I mean, even in the military, uh, we have a thing called NCOPD, Non-Commissioned Officers Professional Development. 
and we have OPD, Officers Professional Development. These are classes that we teach each other or we have taught by a knowledgeable expert or an SME, subject matter, matter expert, about the things we need to do to do our job in the military. And a lot of times, those that NCOPD or that OPD also covers things we do in life, financing, mortgages, insurance, health care. You know, a wide variety of things are taken care of because we're encouraged to educate ourselves, to learn about what's going on. And it's, it's amazing that a lot of the younger Americans today, despite having college degrees, they're not educated on everyday uh, functions. Um, a lot of people, I'll tell them, I said, look, I can call them college-trained idiots all day long. I've got a degree. But in the process of getting my degree, I didn't forget my common tribal knowledge. I didn't forget those things that you need to do or to you need to have to function every day. Uh, just because you have a, a degree in liberal arts doesn't mean you know how to live out there on your own. So educate yourself. Don't be that college-trained idiot. Be someone who went to college to enhance what he already knew as common knowledge or common sense. Uh, every step, every day, you should learn something new. And that learning something new is to enhance what you already known or to improve or replace what you knew. Okay? But it should never take away your common sense. Um it's amazing how many of our people nowadays, young and old, will just follow someone blindly because they don't want to think. This pandemic is one of those things. Oh my God, they called it this. We have to we have to blindly follow. We can't we can't take our eyes off of the end of this. Okay, why can't we question it? Why can't we question why we're doing some of these stupid things? such as denying someone the right to go to church, such as denying somebody the freedom to earn a living, <coughs> denying somebody the right to go from their house to someone else's house, especially a family member. Yes, I've seen it in the news, and if you want proof, I'll show it to you. I'll send it to you. Don't be a lemming falling off the cliff. Don't blindly follow someone. Uh, I tell my men and women that serve under me, don't blindly follow something. If you have a question, question it. We may be making a mistake. And if we don't listen, make it a little bit louder. Go over my head and find out what's going on. Or grab me by the shoulder and take me to the side going, hey, Sarge, I, I don't think that's right. I think we're going to have a problem. And that's what we need to do with our politicians and our leaders and our government. And stop. Tell me why you're doing this. And all these people seem to be able to get themselves into scandals and waste our money. They need to go away. If you've been in government for 20, 30, 40 years wasting my money and doing nothing, you need to go away. And I don't care what party you are, whether you're green or right or left or red or blue or purple, it doesn't matter. If you're not doing what our country needs, you need to go away. We need to become an educated, 
constituency. We need to become better educated in America as we used to be. So that's my thoughts and my little rant. Uh, I always say educate yourself. Be the smartest individual out there that you can be. And I, I ask you, send me your questions. Send me your opinions. Send me your outlook on things at VFAMM2020 at gmail.com or go on my website, viewfrommilitarymind.com. Hit that button down there that says comment. Send me your comments and your ideas. Or go to my Facebook page, View From Military Mind. Send me your comments. Hell, come on and be a guest on my show. I'd love to have you, especially if you're a veteran or you work with vets. Bring your view from your military mind to my military mind. Until the next show, and that'll be on Wednesday. Have a good day. Have a good life. And God bless America. been a Valkyrie Productions podcast, copyright 2020, with your host, Terry Mills. Thank you for listening to our show, and we will see you on the next one. God bless, and have a good day. Mm-hmm.